So there's action behind it. So you're going to water it. You're going to make sure it has the sun and the nutrients that it needs. You're going to do all of that in order for it to grow. Because if you don't, how do you know the difference between something that's dead and something that's alive that you just did? Empower You podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you. That's really very insightful because, you know, I I always say, you know, well, I want growth and I want this and that. And so I try to be introspective and transparent and things like that. So I do this work, right? But I'm also noticing that just like you said, sometimes you're just watering dead things. You're, you are doing work, but you're watering dead things because you haven't, you know, discovered what is promoting that action. You know, why are you so attached to this spot? What's underneath that soil that you're trying to grow something on top of? You know, and, and I see that in people sometimes. And obviously, you know, like it's always easier um, to see things in other people than it is to really see things in yourself. Uh, and I'm thinking... Uh, my brother's going to be so mad at me. But I'm thinking about my brother a lot right now because I've always seen, you know, his his heart and things like that. And I've seen this in other people too. But I also think because we haven't really uncovered the the why, the motive for what makes us act, react, plan, think a certain way, we can be watering dead behaviors. We can be watering dead traumas. We can be watering dead habits because we're so busy trying to cover them up. I used to be this, or I used to be that, or I've done this in my past, or I used to be this whatever person. And so now I'm trying to hurry and grow something beautiful on top of that without addressing the realities that are underneath that. So that goes, and and so to take this back to myself, It goes back to that trying to be there for other people, not because that's really what you're trying to do, but because you're trying to elicit that from other people, you know? And so, you know, I I think it's just really interesting because we don't, we don't ever have these, these conversations. We don't, how do you equip children, you know, uh, uh, even adults? to really confront themselves in such a way that they don't feel attacked, right? They don't feel too afraid to say something uh, because we do put limits on our on our transparency, you know, by default. I have a question for you both. You both have been married eight years, right? Just about. That's first of all, congratulations. That's really, really awesome. In a in a in a in a time where divorces are what at like fifty percent, and then uh, 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 marriages amongst people of color are down. I don't know how much uh, because we don't know how to be there for each other. We don't know how to nurture and create that transparent space where everyone feels alive. Everyone feels like they can be themselves. There's so much noise, right? Every time I see anything from certain people, it's just constantly cutting people down. Like, how do you build, how do both of you build that space where you can both be transparent and also feel empowered, also feel okay about this? Because there's motive in that, right? Have you both been able to address your motives to a point where... Everyone can see each other even when they're not – like, do you know each other's tells 
enough to know when motives have switched to know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, how does that happen? How does that work? Because a lot of people are dealing with that. I don't, I've kind of, you know, put the pause on all of that for myself just because I'm like, listen, I'm not going to keep doing this. This is just damaging at this point. But um, how do you create and nurture that space when you're so close? Like there's no barriers there, right? You all have children together, like ain't no hiding, you know? So how do you, how do you do that? I think for us, um, just, I'm a very introverted person by nature. And I had heard this saying years ago that a woman's heart should be so wrapped up in Christ that a man needs to seek him to find it. Mm. And I was like, ooh, I was like, that's pretty deep. Like, I know God and I pray, but I don't know him like that. Like, I've never taken time to fall in love with him like that. So for me, before I ever met him, I went on this journey of identity in Christ where I really wanted to know who he created me to be after years of relationships that were painful and years of um, nurturing people who needed, right? Needed, needed, needed because of broken family situations, because of not being seen. So just going above and beyond to see and to be there for and all these things. I was in a place where I needed to know who did you create and define me to be separate from anyone else, separate from my family of origin and my dynamic with them, separate from, you know, the way people view me, my friends, my relationships, who am I to you, right? And so I went on this identity journey where I was so solid in my identity and who I was and so real with myself about my hangups. Here are my weaknesses. Here's where I keep getting trapped and keep getting caught. I was in a place where I didn't want to pretend anymore. I think you get to a wall where you just decide that you're at a point in your life where you don't want to be in anything fake anymore. You don't want to have to sell or sacrifice or give up parts of yourself to be loved anymore. And if love requires you to do that, then it's not for you. Right. And I think I was just at that place after years of just fitting in how I could best fit in and waiting for the person to see me or people to see me, love me, value me enough to make room for me. I just decided that this is who I am and this is how big it is. Does it fit? And if it doesn't, that's okay. But I'm not going to carry myself in a way where I pretend that my personality is smaller than it is, or I pretend that I'm easier to love in this way than I really am. And then surprise, can you handle it? No, this is who I am, like up front. And I want you to see all of me. So when we met, there I didn't hide anything. He knew from the very beginning who I was. Right. And it was interesting because he had his own journey that he yeah, still had yeah. to go through. And I was gonna say I was in a I was in a totally different place. Um so as she was seeking God and asking God to I who am I? Right? God, who am I in you? I was I was in this place of asking myself, who am I? Who do I want to be? Right. Again, it was about self yeah. and me trying to play on my own way and create my own path. Um, but I didn't realize that as I was doing that, I was catering to a lot of my brokenness. I was catering to a lot of my insecurities and it goes back to like, God knew what I needed before I did. Um, now that wasn't always a, a great thing because then as I got married, she, she, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not necessarily adopted, but she, I brought those things into our marriage, oh. right? I was broken. She was, she was, she was whole <laughs> and I was broken. Right. So you talk about those. But I, I was whole after being broken because yeah. I had my journey of being broken prior. I just right. decided for the relationship to seek wholeness before I got into something. Right. Um, so for me, as I came into the as I came into the relationship, I still wasn't whole. I was still broken. I was still insecure. I was still trying to find out who I was. Um, and that was a journey for me. I'm talking four or five years into our marriage. I'm still broken and trying to figure out who I am. Which which caused tension here, yeah, and had barriers here because if I don't know who I am, how does she know who I am? Right. Well, I think what it did was it positioned him in a heart posture in a way where he was still protecting and restricting. But I'm I'm intimate, right? 
I have right. nothing to hide. I'm right. I'm here. I'm open. I'm safe. I'm available. I see you whether you want me to see you or not, because by proximity, you can't hide. Yeah. Right. But he still was in the habit of burying things. I'm still in the habit of don't He's see still me. Burying, burying. I, don't, I don't want you to see me because what does that say about me? Right. I don't want I don't. Yeah. But but I have a belief, though, about marriage. And we actually I think we did like a kingdom marriage series that um, Tony, uh, right. Tony Evans had. He had the book and it was a whole series that he a preaching series that he did. And it's about kingdom marriage and the function of marriage. Right. So the role of marriage is not that there's a there's a saying that it's about your holiness, not your happiness. Right. So we all we seek this other person because we want them to meet all of our needs and to make us happy. And that's really not what marriage is at all. It is this union. It's, it's literally another person that's close enough that it's like they're holding a mirror to reflect all the pieces of you that aren't yet enough Christ like. So like it's this intimacy and it's this proximity with another person where they're reflecting back to me all the places that I still have growth and work to do to be more like the model, right? And it's uncomfortable a lot of times because he sees me in a way that Christ sees me. And I see him in a way that Christ sees him and you can't run. So by way of intimacy, it's there, whether you tap into it or not, proximity puts you in position for intimacy but you have to make a choice to tap into it or not and a lot of us through our life experiences run from it hide from it bury things cover things up but that's not really it's like dirtying your mirror right and what would be the purpose of that if the goal is to be more christ-like wow Ooh, there's so much there there's so 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 much there do you believe that when people get married, in, in, in you all's professional opinion, that they are running or hiding from their marriage from their motives by getting married to somebody? I don't. I don't think that's what it is. I think we're created for connectivity. I think what drives us oftentimes to get married is we are designed to be in um, connection with somebody. We're created for it. Like even the word says it is not good for a man to be alone. Like literally we were created to be coupled. So like there, there's this, so there's a book that I read, excuse me, during my identity development phase called Captivating. And it's about how Christ created women. It is the the sister book of the book, Wild at Heart. Um, Wild at Heart is for men. And it talks about how God created men and with characteristics of himself. And so captivating is how he created women with other characteristics of himself. Um, And so like literally, um, it was so identity stabilizing for me because all of the things that the world made me feel guilty about that are uniquely feminine, like, um, like, you know, loving love, Every little girl loves love. From the time there, my daughter is three and she wears a princess dress and she wants you to watch her and to like be enamored (laughs) of her, see her. She loves fairy tales. Who taught her to love fairy tales? Like it's just in her. We're created for that because that brings beauty into relationships, right? It flowers the relationships. So if I had the same like beliefs about love as he did, then we, I don't even know how we would react to each other. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it just brings something to it. And that was intrinsically put in us by God. So like in this book, Captivating, it talks about this term, Ezer Konegdo, which is a Hebrew term, which literally translates to me, help mate or help me. Oftentimes that's how it is, you know, defined. And it is, it refers to women, like God only, he, he uses Ezer all throughout the Bible, but Ezer Kenegdo only refers to women. And it is this sense that although he created men with characteristics of himself, perfect in his image, not anything broken or wrong, he still said it is not good for him to be alone. Mm-hmm. So there were characteristics and qualities that he put in him that he recognized there are some other characteristics or qualities that yeah. are going to be needed. Mm-hmm. And it's not good for him to be alone. So he then created her, right? So essentially your helpmate or help me 
if you reject their vision, their perspective, what they bring to the relationship, you're literally pushing away your help. Mm. Mm. But wow. it is a journey, especially for men, oftentimes to hold on to that identity, right? I am, this is what I need, but God sent you help. This is who I am. This is me, right? Um, and, and I can, I'll, again, 100% vouch for that, where when we first got married, again, for years, there were things that are a part of my identity with sports, um, with, with things that I love to do that I thought were who I was and a part of me. That were, that were literally that, just things that I love doing. But as, as I got married and my responsibilities changed and expectations changed for me now moving from being single to being married, um, I started to feel like as Danelle was challenging, not, I, I don't want to use the word challenging, but stretching me. We're having discussions, not be, arguments. To become who, <laughs> to become who, to grow into the person that I was supposed to be. I took that from a resistance standpoint that I took that as you trying to change me. Yeah. You're trying to change who I am. And she always used to have to tell me, no, I'm not trying to change who you are because that's not who you are. Oh. That is a part of your journey. That's not, that's not who you are. That is a part of your journey. He would be saying, this is who I am. And I'm like, no, these are things you like to do. And, and like, I have no. things I like to do, but this isn't who you are. That's strong. Identity. That's... But it was, that, it was that identity piece. So when you ask the question about people's motives going into marriage. I don't necessarily know if people do marriage for the wrong with the wrong motives. But I do feel like sometimes individuals get married in order to fill a void. Yeah. Um, in order to um, feel something that they're missing or that they feel like this other person is going to give them. Right. And that's to me, that's the wrong reason to get into a marriage because as Janelle talked about, your partner is not responsible for your happiness or to complete you per se. Um, they can't make up for all the years of love that you didn't receive or all the voids or all the gaps you're anchoring to this other person and they can't sustain you and if that's what you're if that's what you're looking for you're going to be disappointed <laughs> you're going to be disappointed um yeah so i think i think you have to just check and ask yourself am i looking for this person or do i have an expectation for this person to provide something for me or do something for me that is my own responsibility. And a lot of times there's work that needs to be done before you get married. Yeah. Because for me, if, if I look back over the eight years, there's a lot of work that I should have did before I got married. Ooh, there's a lot of personal work that I should have did before I got married because the reality is now that when I walk into the marriage, I now put that burden on her mm. of helping me carry it. Not that I just dropped it on her, but now she's helping me carry it because she sees that you have things that are not you that you still have with you. You said you said a couple things that I really I have to go to. Um, first of all, that's a strong statement for someone to tell you that that's a behavior is not really you. That is a strong statement because, yeah. you know, as I study, well. I, I, I can only imagine when you said that I got triggered. I was like, oh, <laughs> because the reality is as men, you know, and I, and I, and I had an episode uh, with, with a guy named Oliver Marcel, brilliant man. Uh, he, he talks about overcoming the man laws. And how we get so attached to our identity around the things that w we've been doing our whole lives. So whether it's sports, whether it's hiding, whether it's serving, you know, whether it's, you know, being responsible, we get so attached to that that we we associate that with being our identity, even though given a different environment, a different teacher, different observation different training, we could be an entirely different human, be entirely different. I know guys right now who struggle in their relationships because they are so attached to their identity, who they have been for 30, 40 years. So the idea that your help me <laughs> would tell you 
that you're not who you think you are. That is wild to me. Well, what and what I was saying is, you're not what you do. Yeah, okay. Your identity is not what you do. Your identity is rooted, right? Your identity is in Christ. He has created you for so much. If you get stuck in what you enjoy doing and always want to be doing because you've identified yourself by those things for so long, you'll still be chasing the dream of football. And and yeah, mm. and they come, it goes back to me. You tell me I'm not what I do. That's what, you know, that's who I am because yeah. it, it's taken me so long to build this. That's identity. right. That's right. And get to the point where, oh, people see me. People appreciate me. But right? then they see but, you But here's the thing. thing. Here's the thing that I had to learn. They weren't appreciating me. They were appreciating what I do. Right. You see what you're saying? Yeah. So for me, I was known as, I went through identity crisis after football when I got, so I played ball at Purdue. Um, ended up going free agent to the Miami Dolphins and was in rookie minicamp for a little bit. Then I got released, right? And after I got released from Miami, I was like, whoa, right? Because it happened like that. I went to rookie minicamp one day and then the next week, it was like business decision, buddy, you got to get out of here, right? <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, like it ends like that. Wow. So for me, I was like, uh-oh, now the helmet comes off. And I'm like, whoa. Who is Aaron Lane without this helmet on? Because I have been in Fort Wayne my whole life. Everybody knew me for playing sports, being Ew. being fast, doing this great running back, this fast guy, all of this stuff. And that's how people identify me. Oh, yeah. Aaron, you the fastest man in the city. Oh, Aaron Lane, running back as fighter. That's what I was identified by, right? Yeah. I remember so then, you in the gym, yeah, man, so, at St. Francis <laughs> being swole with Mike Lito. Yeah. So now when, I, when, when you lose that, when you lose that, now yeah. who am I? Because nobody's now referring to me as, as those things. And if they are referring me to as, to me as those things, now I'm in my past. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So now I got to, now who am I as a person? Yeah. And like for me, my thing was, as yourself, I see everything. I see the, I see the things that God is pulling you into. I see the places that you're resisting because it feels uncomfortable, but it's always going to feel uncomfortable for this from this point forward because he wants us to be anchored to him. If we can sustain ourselves, we don't need to be anchored to him. So like right now where we are in our life, like we can't control, you know, anything. He's always pulling us and calling us to things that are just outside of our capacity to handle so that we have to lean on him to be able to navigate it. Right. So do we want to move forward or do we want to stay anchored to the past? And and I'll and I'll be 100 percent honest and transparent with you. If you if you walk into marriage and you're in a position like I was in, um, and not secure and not anchored and all those things that we just talked about, and you don't have somebody who is strong and anchored, this will this will end quickly. And I'm talking from either side, man or woman. Um, not that because she didn't have to put up with my journey. Of, of arriving to my in, into my identity. You see what I'm saying? Because that, that process comes with a lot of mistakes, a lot of heartache, a lot of tough conversations, a lot of things that people don't see. You know what I'm saying? Like we talked about, you know, cover magazines and social media posts. People see all of that stuff, but they don't get to see the struggles of the identity crisis, the struggles of trying to find, you know what I mean? Like they don't, you don't get to see all that. So in eight years, what looks glamorous on the outside <laughs> is a lot of tough conversations inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. I, I would say, you know, we've talked to a lot of people and people say, man, I've been married 40 years. And then you get, oh, relationship goals. Like, oh, I want that. Are you willing to sustain or withstand? Not sustain. Are you willing to withstand all of the, the storms that come with those 40 years? Mm, the motive's got to be in check. You have to be very, very aware of what's happening underneath in order to withstand that. You know, that transparency's got to be in place. Um, I, that, all of what you're talking about, I'll be honest, is like deep, deep water. And uh, I'm not a very strong swimmer. So I just handle <laughs> what I can handle and pray on the rest. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm thankfully single at this point because... That level of transparency, 
you know, and, and I'll say this, you know, I'm sure there's people listening who who could probably agree. Um, it's frightening. It's wanted in some levels. We all want to be seen. But my motives, I feel like, are still sometimes unclear for why you want that, right? Because on the one hand, you're like, oh, well, this would be amazing, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all these outward perks of everything, right? And so for me, trying to overcome, you know, toxic motives that are damaging to myself, to maybe others in time, um, is, is, is my recourse, my mechanism for handling that is to withdraw, is to maintain distance, is to uh, privately deal with whatever I have to deal with. Because, I mean, going back to my childhood, we weren't, you weren't complaining about the, the responsibilities you had and it being tough to do this or that. You weren't supposed to do that. Like me and my brother would have talks. You don't go around your mom and your sisters complaining about something being hard. That ain't, uh-uh. We don't do that. You know what I'm saying? And so overcoming that fear, overcoming that anxiety, that worry, you know, um, is is super challenging to say the least. So to see you both talk about it so freely uh, you're almost like mutants right now. Well, uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're reflecting outwardly the transparency that we live in. Right. This is normal conversation for us. Right. This is not- it's it's become normal because for me, I'm like, bro, like, I would, you can't be with a therapist. Yeah, I think like, you're not. Going- <laughs> like, I was I was one who was out here talking about how I'm feeling and what I'm feeling and. What you thinking? What you? I'm like, whoa, hey, I don't know. <laughs> right, right. It's like I'm not prepared for this conversation. Yeah, but it, I'll say this: it has helped me in in the process of finding me because it it has helped a lot that's that I typically hold in come out that were a detriment to me. That makes sense. Yeah, the things that weren't you. I'm still tripping about you saying that. Well, but honestly, though, like <laughs> you you said something too way earlier where you said, you know, this is terrifying. This level of transparency is terrifying. It's not, it shouldn't be as scary as you think it is. It's just like, that's what anxiety is. Anxiety makes you avoid things that you think are going to be worse than they actually are. So it's like that, that scary movie that you watch and you hear the music building up and you know something scary is about to happen and you have all this anxiety built up and then it jumps out and it's not really as scary as you thought it was going to be because it looks fake and you realize it's a movie and okay I'm good but your body still has that reaction so it's the same thing with like transparency and relationships or whatever it feels scarier than it actually is if you just make a commitment that I don't have the time to wait anymore I don't want to surprise you with who I am. I don't want you to surprise me with who you are. It's safe here. You know, you can just show me who you are and I'm just going to show you who we are. And if we fit, then we move forward. And if we don't, then that's okay. And we can be friends and keep it moving. You know, but like, let's not waste years doing all this fake dating and only talking about surface level things and hiding all of our secrets from each other. Like, let's just be real. And I would I would recommend doing that in the dating phases. Beginning. The beginning. Yes. Before you get four or five years into marriage and navigating that, um, because that's been, that was our that's been our journey. You know what I'm saying of, of that, and, and like yeah, we've gone on eight years. Nowhere nowhere near perfect, but we're in it. All the way in. <laughs> we're in it. So I got transparency. Um, you know, confronting. You know, well, well. Transparency, spending time with yourself and confronting the things that uh, you don't like that are giving you the anxiety that that makes life uh, and and being transparent frightening because generally it's rooted to a behavior or something that you avoid with your music or with your television or Netflix or activity or going out drinking or doing drugs, whatever it is, wherever you at. And there's no judgment. We've all been there. I certainly have been through all of those stages of my life. And I'm thankful that I've survived and not hurt anybody, not hurt myself. But that was 
a very heavy part of my journey also. And so to hear you both, you know, speaking about this is really, really, it's very, very, very helpful. And if you are getting something out of this, I need you to go to Courageous Healing um, on any of the social media platforms and tell them thank you, because this is a really, really incredible conversation that we're having. Um, and if you're anything like me, and I bet you are if you listen to this, you are being found very, very much, probably some gut punches, like somebody telling you, you are not who you think you are. Oh my God. That is like, that's going to go at the beginning of this clip. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's so real for a man, for somebody to see you and even call you out on the you that you're being in the present moment because they see past that for a man. I don't know how it is for ladies. That is so comforting. You want to jump out of a window. (laughs) Does that make sense? It feels so right that you want to run as fast as you can because there's always a moment in your head. And I think maybe you can relate to this, Aaron, where you wonder, like, am I really doing this right? I think I am. This feels normal. Like, but your perspective on normal was probably, you know, from that dead thing you growing plants on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so for someone who you care about, who you're always trying to impress, because I don't, you know, I maybe this is different, but for myself, you know, I feel like you're always trying to inspire confidence in your spouse. Today is the day and now is the time. If you have a good idea, good intentions, and are looking for a way to get audience and to get your great message out to the world, I encourage you to start your very own podcast. You would be surprised the amount of folks who are waiting to hear your content. My name is Kibway Cooper. And I have been an audio engineer for the past seven years, and I am offering one-on-one coaching to help you get through the beginning stages of creating your very own podcast. Please reach out to me and let me know how I can help you. My email address is empoweryoupodcast at gmail.com. We offer one-on-one coaching, a live masterclass, and even a 10-module course that will take you through the entire process of creating, producing, and distributing your podcast to your very own listeners. This is a great avenue to connect with your audience and to connect with people who are in need of your voice. Again, reach out to me at empoweryoupodcast at gmail.com and let's get your podcast started today. Keep right here. Here's what it was for me. For the first time somebody saw me. Yeah. Because Everybody else saw the athlete. Everybody else saw fast. Everybody else saw running back. Everybody else saw play that Purdue. Oh, you had an opportunity with the Dolphins. Oh, you this, right? But for the first time, somebody saw me and saw beyond the athletic ability and the sports and and all those things, right? It was like, no, that's not who you are. Right, because I was in that, I was in that journey. I was in that, I was battling internally anyway. Yeah. Of, of how do I, what do I do? And for somebody to say, that's not who you are. That was a, like a, whoa, somebody really see me. Right. It was like, is this real? <laughs> I was just frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's that's beautiful. I think that is really helpful. Um, because for men, you know, and I'm very passionate about men and black men, especially because we get so short, we've been through a lot. Black women have been through a lot. Also brown women, all of y'all, all of you all, I'm not trying to be exclusive, but I am talking to, to my people right now. Black men have been through a lot and we don't talk about most of it, but we also get talked about a lot. And so that reinforces our desire to be impressive and to shield all of that, because I don't even have time to open that up. So for someone to willingly be like, you know, there's something dead under there. Hold on. 
I've been hiding this body for years. <laughs> and you just, you know, calling me out and not in a in a way that, you know, is 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 constructive. You know, some of us don't know what that is. Like my parents had a really great relationship, right? But I feel like most of those kind of conversations, I never heard them have those. I never heard, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, they they represented a really united front. They had different little verbal disagreements or whatever around the house sometimes. But it always ended in giggles. And my dad used to, like, tickle my mom. She hated it. And that was the kind of the thing around the house. Like, you know, and my dad's just super, super charming and, and charismatic. And um, so, so to hear that, you know, I that just represents work that I think men... Uh, we have to do to analyze what our real motives are, you know, because we're if we're just being trying to impress people, if we're just trying to impress ourselves, because we're really broken on the inside, because we don't feel like people view us as whole humans. They only view aspects of us as being valuable, not the whole thing. We, we have to do we have to do the work on the inside, um, because that's a part of if we continue with the plant analogy. That's a part of retilling the soil. Right, that's a part of, of tilling the soil. There's a quote um, for me, and I'll, I'll say this first. There was a, a, a large for years. I was I was getting educated. I was doing all of these things and all these new seeds that I, I was planting old soil. Right. So then there was this conflict of, of new with old. Right. All this new stuff and where I think I want to go is is battling and conflicting with my old because I was planting new seeds on old soil. And there's a quote that, that says, it often, it's often the quality of the soil that determines the harvest more than the quality of the seed. Oh. It's often the quality of the soil that determines the harvest more than the quality of the seed. And wow. for me, and for me, until I started to do the work, my own work. He was stuck in this cycle of doing all these things, seeking all these things always having to be on the go, 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 do, 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 seek, seek, seek. And but it was falling you on old, tilling yeah. the soil. It was falling on old, old soil. So no matter how great the seeds were, it was falling on old, old soil. So until I did the work that needed to be done and started to till the soil and redo the soil, nothing was manifesting from it that should. But like, Kidway, you also are talking about like the experience of being a Black man in these these segmented parts, right, that oftentimes you have to sort through. But it was bumping up against the experience of being a Black woman of constantly trying to balance the difference between being aggressive and assertive, right? And this expectation or people viewing you as aggressive when you're just being assertive. Yeah. Right. I'm just not backing down. Right. I'm just not going to let you do anything and say anything and act any kind of way because I'm going to require the best of you. Yeah. I'm going to require that you that you grow. I'm going to require that you elevate into the person that Christ created you to be. I'm not going to leave you behind and just let you be. Because right. if so, you pick the wrong partner. Right. And that's love, though. Of one of knowing, like that, that's what you do for your child, right? You don't let them just say you need thirteen and you still can't tie your shoes. I'm not gonna let you proceed past this point until you learn how to tie them shoes, because yeah. you ain't gonna be walking around with me falling all over the place, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it's really hard though balancing that motivation, that encouragement from that seat of like you have responsibility for headship, right? But you're not yet in alignment. So I'm called to fall in alignment when you're in alignment. But if you are out of alignment, I'm called to be in alignment, right? So I'm, I I know this, I have this linear relationship. I'm asking you to get in there. I want you there. I'm creating space and room for you there, but I can't follow you left or right. I got, I got to, I right. have to be in alignment. That's strong. It's That's hard. strong. Hard stuff. Wow. Oh my goodness. You all are incredible. You both are really, really incredible. I think I go back to seeing you both at Starbucks all the time. Uh, because I used to be in the corner editing 
and me and Aaron would do a head nod, and y'all be having all these meetings, you know, and I, I don't know what they're planning, but they are diligent because I'm here every day. So they're clearly plotting to take over the world. And then a Courageous Healing comes out. I was like, well, there it is. There it is. You know, because, you know, I know what grunt work looks like. I know what consistently look. I know what hard work looks like. And so, you know, when I'm hearing what you're saying, you know, in this whole conversation, you know, about motives, you know, that work that goes into really uncovering the motive behind what you're doing, the motive behind your relationship, the motive behind our triggers, the motive behind why you want to be married, why you want to be successful, why you respond certain ways to conversations. That is so, that's work. That's hard work. But it takes that investment to get that reward, to till that soil, because your seed is not enough if you don't do that work, you know? And I, you, you said it's uncomfortable. A lot of people, and I've, and I've said this for years, you know, progress, growth, it always hurts. And, and we had this conversation a little bit before about, you know, people popping up with LLCs and businesses and you wish them all well, but you understand some people don't associate being successful with the heaviness, with the late nights, with the hurt that comes from it because you're constantly confronting your shortcomings. You know, I took that disc assessment um, probably a couple of weeks ago and I legitimately like, I didn't fall into a depression, but I was very, very, very frustrated by it because I looked dead on at the things I was good at, the things I was not good at. And I had to realize like, you can't, you have to invest more in your growth, in your healing than you're doing in just your business, just your podcast. You can have every awesome guest on your podcast, but you're not going to get better if you are not doing the work. Doesn't matter, which then dilutes your entire mission behind this podcast, behind the space that you're creating. And so that is just, it's really great and meaningful that you all are, are taking the time to do this. I, I just commend you both, and I think you're both super, super special. And I'm so thankful uh, that you're spending time uh, educating myself, educating everybody who's listening. Y'all getting a free class, and uh, I am too. So I'm super, super thankful. I am going to ask you for one more thing before I let you go. We got to get a thought exercise. Every episode, we do a thought exercise. A thought exercise is uh, the segment of the show where you leave uh, our listeners or myself with a mantra, uh, a daily routine, a, a easy-to-execute um, mindset principle. Maybe it's a quote from a book that has helped define you or helps bring you clarity. Um, and uh, it's it's it's... I like to say that, you know, the thought exercise is something that you carry with you all the time. Like you could forget everything in the episode, but you remember the thought exercise because that is what you practice daily. You know, you guys can binge the show or whatever, but when you get to these thought exercises, I really want you to take this stuff seriously because we can't get where we're going if we don't change and evaluate our motives, our habits, the way that we think about things, our philosophy on ourselves, on our behaviors. And these thought exercises have just been tremendous for myself, at least. And if you've been following the thought exercises, I'm sure you've gained a lot from them as well. So before I let you go, I would love, love, love to hear um, a, a, a thought exercise from both of you. It doesn't have to be long. I know I've had you on here for a minute. Uh, and I really, really appreciate you all's time. I truly do. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, if we could do that, a little, a little thought exercise, I'll let you go. Promise. Yeah, I think um, for me, it would be um, the next time something upsets you. Right? This is a thought exercise to help you identify triggers and then go deeper. So the next time, and this is a really... This is a cheat, like one of those cheat tricks that you were asking for. <laughs> so 
anytime something upsets you, to ask yourself, why did that upset me? And then once you answer that question, to ask yourself, and why did that upset me? And then once you answer that question, ask yourself, and why did that upset me? And keep asking yourself, why did that upset me until you can't answer that question anymore? And then you're at the root cause of the issue. So if he and I have an argument about something, I need to take time by myself and say, okay, he didn't do the dishes. Why did that upset me? And it upset me because I'm tired and I feel like I always do the dishes. And why did that upset me? Well, because I feel like I do more. And why did that upset me? Because I feel like I'm in this by myself. And why did that upset me? And I'm in this by myself because I've always been in things by myself. And that is the root cause of the issue. Right. You see how that works? Yeah. Something which... small, like the dishes, can be tracked all the way back down to the root cause. And when you're having conversations, it is important to be talking about the root cause, not the surface level content. You will save yourself years of time by getting to the root cause instead of this specific instance. And then we're going to have this same talk again and then the same talk again. What is the root issue? And let's talk about that so we don't have to talk about it anymore. That's strong. Ooh, Aaron, you got to follow up? That's strong. She came with the heat. Man, he did. No, there, there's one thing that Janelle often talks about as well. Um, and it's something that she tells people they need to work on. And it's something that I've been utilizing um, in moments of stress, in moments of being overwhelmed and anxiety. And there's three questions that we often tell individuals to ask themselves. Um, so in moments of, of stress, in moments of being overwhelmed, of being tired, asking yourself, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I needing? Right, those three questions, what am I thinking? So in this moment, when I'm going through something, okay, what, what, what am I thinking? Right, based on what I'm thinking, what am I feeling? Mm. And then what am I needing? Right. right? Um, and then depending on what you tell yourself you need, you need to act on it, right? I think that's big, is that, is that action piece. Um, and it's something that I never, I never thought about again, being that emotional person. I find myself overwhelmed with emotion and passion yeah. um, and I don't know what to do with it. So I kind of, and a lot of times because I don't know what to do with it, I just, I just place it, I put it in places where it shouldn't belong or take it out on people that I shouldn't. So what this exercise that you know brings up allows me to do is in that moment, I self-assess. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I needing? And it takes, that takes work. That's a it process. It seems simple, but yeah, it's really it, not it's easy. Not, it's not easy at all. But the more and more you do it, yeah, it starts to help you. And it, it starts to de-escalate you in the moment. Mm. Um, so it's just something that I would It helps you stay connected to your emotions instead of detaching from your emotions and going numb. Mm -hmm. which is something we, we tend to do when we're in trauma. So right now, this pandemic is traumatic for all of us. Mm -hmm. So we're dissociating. So constantly practicing that, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I needing? Helps you stay in your body. Mm. And what are you needing really can change the entire way you're looking at the situation. Mm -hmm. Because you may reassess how you're reacting to something. And you're just like, wait a minute. I really just need to feel secure about this. So all the other stuff I started doing doesn't really make sense because that's not really what I need right now. But you can't get there unless you take that second. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What do I need? I'm going to practice that. I'm going to practice that. So really, you know, there are y'all two tips. I just, I just told y'all all. Uh, <laughs> Listen. Ain't get no extra points. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Listen, that is, if y'all are listening, again, uh, go to Courageous Healing, Inc. Um, you can find them on all the socials, right? Facebook and, and tell, how about you all tell us how you can find yourself? I'm going to mess it up. How can yeah, we find so you and interact with you? On our website is www.courageoushealing.org. We're also on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. At the same, from the yeah. same way. Okay. Yeah. Same it's handle. Okay. Oh my goodness. You all, this has been incredible. I really, really, really appreciate you all taking the time to dig into this. This is, 
this is the reason why I created this podcast, because we got to have this space where we put our armor down and we really assess what's going on. Uh, because a lot of us are trapped and we don't want to admit it, maybe because we got a promotion, because we just got married, because we're making good money, because finally, you know, the pandemic is over, depending on when you're listening to this, but you still trapped because those motives, those underlying things have not been assessed. So this is, this is, this is life for somebody listening to this who's been trapped for a long, long time. So I really appreciate you all taking the time to extend your ministry and your mission uh, onto Empower You podcast. I, uh, thank you. Thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for doing what you do and giving people a voice. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all so much. Um, Okay, I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, Again, is there anything that that you want to say before before we close this out, or are you okay? I don't think I have anything. I think we probably said... listen if they're anything like me i'll be begging for more so go to their pages follow them because they are consistently giving us uh, a lot of light that we need 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 if you are a person of color model your vulnerability after these two it takes work but they're living proof that you can do it even though maybe in your environment it doesn't seem like you can just start with the thought exercises and work from there. So thank you all so much uh, to everybody listening. Appreciate you for listening. And I will talk to you a little later. Peace. Thank you. Empower You podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural, and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you.